BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Hi, I'm Matt Lieb. And I'm Vince Mancini. And this is Pod Yourself The Wire. A The Wire podcast where Vince Mancini and I go through every single episode of The Wire and And talk talk about about it. it. Thank you so much once again for listening to the world's only The Wire podcast. Please, uh, you know, join the subreddit. uh, Hashtag, no hashtag. Uh, it's r slash pod yourself the wire. There's also r slash pod yourself a gun. Join the subreddit. Send Talk. David Simon a postcard that he should come on. Al, you really should. Uh, I know he's not on Twitter anymore, but if you find him on Gab or on Truth Social, wherever wherever he's laying his head, please uh, tell him to come on because I'll be so sick, bro. Um, and five stars in a review. Okay, today. We are going to be talking about from season two, episode 11, the penultimate episode of season two, Mm. Bad Dreams. Penultimate is my favorite penis word. Why does it have to be a word? Whatever. Well, just, you know, for people. Vince, that's literally what I said. I was like, you mean the penultimate episode of the second best season? (laughs) Was my immediate response. (laughs) It is the penis ultimate episode. It's a fun thing to say. It's like like, because you don't ever use it in conversation. No, I'm going to use it every chance I get. I mean, I think it's just for people who are like, is this the last one? Is, and someone's like, no, it's the penultimate one. And it's like, well, that sounds badass. Mm-hmm. I feel like um, the people that want to use penultimate in conversation are the same people that would say an historical. This uh, is an historical moment of our, our history. I, you know, these people with their fucking thinking that H is a vowel suck a dick. Mm. Yub, 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 yub. That's the sound of sucking a dick. Uh, <laughs> we're talking about bad dreams. And our guest today is a returning champion, one of our favorite people. It's author Leah Carroll. Oh, hello, hello, yes. hello, hello. Yeah, we got sound effects now. We have sound effects. Um, Leah, thank you so much for coming on the podcast again. Uh, we love to have you, and you know, um, we've we've already, I think, gotten on record that you love the wire. Um, love the wire, but. I didn't know how much you love The Wire until uh, we were talking about uh, having you come on for this episode, and you randomly brought up a memory that uh, you at one point listened to the audio commentary on the DVDs of uh, The Wire. Is that correct? I did. I did. I'm nodding. 
because I can see us. But yes, I did. <laughs> That's like a new super fan score. Like, yeah, I like The Wire so much that I listened to all the DVD commentary. Yeah. That's next level. I think I was, it was my, I think I was lonely, but <laughs> well, right. I was in Washington, I was, was living in Washington Heights um, and I, I was lonely. No, but... you, mean, you mean you were like just committed and fuck yeah. is TV, you know, something. I do. I really do love TV though. TV is great. You know, it makes you forget about the bad stuffs. Um, but you brought to our attention something uh, pretty incredible that, uh, at one point, there was uh, an audio commentary that was Dominic West, who plays McNulty, and Michael K. Uh, Williams, who plays Omar. They were doing audio commentary on a random episode in season two. I think it's the one where uh, it's Bird's Trial. Mm. And out of nowhere, they both just have a uh, about a 30-second discussion about how nice uh, Nikki Sabatka's girlfriend's deities are. <laughs> And, uh, it's they're not even in that episode. No, like, they're not. They're referring to a previous. <laughs> Apropos of nothing, they were like, "You remember those titties?" <laughs> and you were able to get the audio, and uh, and I have it, so I'm gonna uh, play that for the listeners so they understand uh, what it was like. The witness's last answer is to be stricken and disregarded by the jury. Who's that handsome devil? I don't know. I think his name is Dominic West. Uh, I miss Pablo, man. I miss Pablo. I miss Pablo's wife. Or girl. Now, now Pablo is, of course, the actor who plays uh, Nikki Sabatka. Pablo's wife or girlfriend as well. Yeah, boy, boy. Nice of the knockers on her. I, <laughs> I thought that was the episode we were doing. <laughs> the most fantastic, gratuitous shot of a woman's breast in, oh, in TV history. Breasts are beautiful. Amazing. And Bob Colesbury yeah. cast her off a video, fully clothed, and they had no idea until she took a top off that they were, you know, yeah, beholding the eighth bet, wonder of the world. I bet you didn't, dear Bob. God bless your soul. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> <laughs> I love that they're like that he cast her fully clothed. Yeah, right. As if that was not a normal thing. Right. It, 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 just everything about that is incredible. Number one, knowing that like Dominic West is essentially just British, Jimmy McNulty, like he's not really that different in that he's just like, hmm, do you remember those titties? Yes. <laughs> well, like, he's trying to go all British with it, like, ah, oh, the most gratuitous shot of a woman's bosom's breasts. <laughs> and then Omar's like, ah, those knockers, though. Yeah, I, I love those knockers. Yeah, just the contrast of Did those you say two. knockers? <laughs> where his monocle <laughs> falls out. Yeah, well, yeah, they're the eighth wonder of the world they are. <laughs> it's just like an incredible moment of two dudes just rocking. Yeah, I, I will never, it'll never leave my mind. Because they also do a horrible job with the commentary. They're That's just talking heard. about going to the premiere that night. And they're like, who, who are you bringing to the premiere? And then they just, they clown on Pablo for being Liev Schreiber's younger brother. And like, they're like, oh, oh shit. yeah. What? I never put that together. I'm so stupid. The oh. next the next part of that clip is literally Omar just being like, oh, yeah, Liev got him in a movie, but he gets shot in the face uh, <laughs> in like the first five seconds. And then they make fun of him. Matt, you'll appreciate this. They make fun mm -hmm. of him because he's six foot five. They were like, who shot him in the face? Like somebody standing on a ladder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
the only people who can clown tall people in this world are actors because actors are all four foot three and <laughs> and so like but they all you know they're if, especially if they're uh working actors they're making a lot of money so it's just these like rich little people going like wow <laughs> how's the weather up there <laughs> and you're just like fuck you bro like yeah. how are you gonna make me feel small <laughs> But yeah, the thing that's incredible about that clip is that they are not watching the episode where she takes her shirt off. No, they're right. not. And the the other thing that's incredible about that clip is that when they do start talking about it, uh, even I was like, oh, yeah, I remember that. I remember yeah, that no, scene. It, that's what I think what was so incredible when you brought that to because our that, attention. That's was, why it's such an honest commentary because they're actors yes. like being like speaking honestly uh, uh, at the level at which they probably most of them probably take their craft. Which is, right. uh, you know, hey, remember that premiere, Pablo? Oh, remember the girl with the boobs? That was cool. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's what podcasting is. Yeah. They were just doing proto podcasting. <laughs> yeah, <that's right. laughs> yeah, like every, you know, uh, now if if it's like two actors from the show doing a a, a podcast, it's always like one guy yeah. is like talking about art. I think it's television's job to uh, yeah, confront right. <laughs> difficult situations, yeah? Oh, the uh, thing about uh, about television is it, is it, uh, it surpasses all different major forms, yeah? And and it really gets to the heart of the human condition, isn't it? Um, my, husband, my husband gets so aggravated how at the end of every HBO prestige series, like before you mm -hmm. get a chance to turn it oh. off. It goes oh. instantly <laughs> oh. to the like behind the scenes. Oh, it's just and it always worse. starts like what we were trying to do in this episode. And Nick is always like, no, turn yeah. it off. It's, yeah. There's nothing worse. It like, first of all, they're adding like fucking like five extra minutes to the show. And you think that's part of the runtime. And then you're like, oh, it ended. There's still eight minutes left. And then it is just them talking about the episode you just saw and being like, for those of you who don't understand um, art or subtext <laughs> or just anything, narrative and allegory, here's everything. And yeah. uh, instead, I like, think it, it must have been, it might have been the vow where I watched the episode and then they they plugged that podcast and I was like, oh, good, they did this as a podcast also, so I don't have to watch this terrible show yes. that's yes. way too long about it. I can just like <laughs> listen to this instead of watching all this fucking bullshit that someone who was in the cult clearly like made right. uh, to justify what he was doing. Yeah, it was agitprop, <laughs> yeah. you know, or it was like propaganda for the cult initially, and then it was, you know, okay, we're going to use this for against... I can God, actually at least appreciate like plugging your project. The worst is oh, totally. just when it's like it's you like the you know the guy from who I adore, the guy who did Chernobyl and mm -hmm. uh, the and the, last the of rest of Last of Us. But he, literally, he's like, so what happens in in this episode is that um, the yeah. infected are are chasing them. Yeah. And yeah. they're running away. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. Craig Mason so, seems cool now, but I still I need him to explain the hangover part three. Like I can't I can't move on until he explains what happened with that movie and how it's so bad. Is it bad? It's I've never seen it. One of the worst movies I've ever oofra. seen. And I've seen a lot of movies that like yeah. stands out as one of the worst movies I've ever seen. And well. uh and I like I'm like a uh Big time Todd Phillips apologist, and I like most of Craig Mazin's stuff. So I'm like, That's what true. happened on The Hangover Three? I don't understand. Yeah, you are a Todd Phillips apologist. You're um, you're an incel, and you want 
Jokers. I like Joker. Two. I like Hangover Two. You even. want Jokers to kill didn't. women? Yeah, that's what that's he wants. Right. Yes, I was, we need to I'd... promote him more. I like when he was. <laughs> yes, baby. <laughs> His eyes. <laughs> well, this is not a. Uh, is it funny? Um, <laughs> this is not a Todd Mason. Todd Mason? Nope. Yep. Yeah, you got it. Doesn't matter. Really. All right. Uh, <laughs> this is not a um, uh, uh, Phillips Wilson Phillips podcast. No, this is a The Wire podcast. We cannot start it without first playing the theme song. When you pod the garden, you got a pod. Well, I beg your pod. Podcast. The docks. You gotta keep it Polish. Pod. Season two. All right, ladies and gentlemen, and everyone else today. Uh, once again, we're going to be talking about from season two of The Wire, episode 11, Bad Dreams, which premiered August 17th, 2003. Vince, can you uh, read us a little piece of this synopsis? I sure can. The detail makes a desperate move. Nick's deceit is out in the open as Sabatka is overwhelmed by bad news. The Greeks confidently ease out of a brief encounter with the detail and Omar's suspicions are validated. The detail hopes to find Vonda's boss. Nick hopes to repair relations with the Greeks, and Sabatka is forced to make a difficult choice. Okay, that was one of those uh, really detailed synopses, like where they just right. they got through every detail. Like you know, we don't need like C story. Like you can just give us a couple strands, and we'll get it. I know that's what I'm saying. Like this is why I don't usually copy and paste the synopsis, but I, you know, after a while, I get kind of tired of you know writing new ones every week. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. I respect it. Vince, what was happening at the time that this episode came out? Ah, that's right, Matt. Uh, you know, we cannot evaluate art uh, divorced from its cultural context. we got to put some of that context back in, and we do that with a little something we like to call the back-in-the-day machine. It's a bad time for newspapers. The news hole is shrinking as advertising dollars continue to decline. There ain't no back-in-the-day machine tells the tale, son. Ah, yes. Yeah, we're going all the way back to August 17th, 2003. Wonderful time. The doldrums and dog days of summer. Ah, it was yes. probably... The boys of summer. The boys of summer. That's right. Uh, you know, that was a, deadhead us. sticker on the Cadillac. Um, so uh, I don't know if you guys remember the West Virginia sniper. I, I did not remember that this was a thing, but... Uh, it, well, this is not the sniper, the DC sniper. No, Because that's one. a different That state. was a Virginia sniper. That's this right. is a whole different place that is mm. more mountainous. Um, okay. But yeah, I just got a quick blurb on it. Sniper-style killings put West Virginia town on edge. Cedar Grove, oh. West Virginia. Residents cautiously went about their weekend errands in this small Appalachian community yesterday, a day after mm. police confirmed that three shooting deaths within days at an area convenience store could be the work of a single sniper. A key witness identified a local resident, Sean Lester, as the shooter shortly after the murder. At some time before the three successive murders, the witness's younger brother had stolen an automobile engine belonging to Lester that had a large quantity of methamphetamine hidden inside. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Lester later confided in the witness that 
quote, he had taken something important to me, so I'll take something important to him. Uh, and then he killed the guy's girlfriend and a couple other people. That's fair. I feel like if you steal the meth, then, you know, um, I mean, this is the thing about like, there's certain drugs that you steal that mm -hmm. you're like, there's going to be consequences. But I feel like with cocaine, you know, the consequences are going to be like, oh, you're going to get your head chopped off, you're shot in the face, whatever. With meth, you don't know what they're going to do. Yeah. There's going to be a lot. There's going to be hours of plotting involved. Yes, I. Uh, that's or like five minutes. It do can you go think? Way. Yeah, I think it's going to be like five minutes of like fevered, sweaty, yeah. like fuck, fucking like, like they're gonna. Yeah, <laughs> they're gonna fuck your corpse. <laughs> well, also like they took something valuable from me. I'll take I'm... something that you love. It's like wait, <laughs> you love? I mean, I get, I get it. You I, love you do your and... girlfriend. Like... Yeah. Yeah, it, it is kind of sweet that he was just like, I know that they're so in love. <laughs> um, but uh, I don't yeah. think it's sweet. I think it's indicative of the way that men view women mm. in this culture. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, that's I, a, think I was going to say that. I think it's all the pop songs that told people that, uh, you know, you're like a drug and love is a drug and blah, blah, blah. Uh, it's and definitely... he's like, well, you stole my drugs. I'm going to kill your <laughs> I'm going to steal your love. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great story. Yeah. That's a great yeah. story. So they thought I didn't it was a DC sniper, but it was just a guy who stole new, new an guy. engine filled with meth. New guy. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, sorry. Uh, so this one, I thought this next one's from the post. I thought this was kind of a sweet article that we forgot was like a thing because Arnold Schwarzenegger mm -hmm. at this point was running for governor of California, uh, was looking like he was going to win. Uh, right. From the New York Post, the Arnold question no one will ask. Mm, how big is it? <laughs> as long is as it, folks. Is it thicky <laughs> or is it thin that and long? That was question. He already <laughs> took pictures with Robert, Robert oh, Maple, true. Maplethorpe. Everybody I don't remember knew. his dick. It was, it was nice. It was, it was okay? Yeah, it was good. All as right. long as folks from the world of TV, movies, and sports continue to declare their legitimate candidacy for political offices, mm. and in more than a few cases winning elections, it's time to start <laughs> treating them as politicians instead of cuddly curiosities. What does that even mean? For that means example, ignoring all the bad things they do? What no, no, mean? no, no. For example, the case can and should be made by the news media that the fame and fortune that now allows Arnold Schwarzenegger to run for governor of California is very likely rooted in steroid use. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Not that. <laughs> Arnold using steroids? Yeah. I don't know. That's a hot take. Which, on one level, that's kind of funny, That, but yeah. 100% true. Like. Yeah, of course it is. <laughs> but also, who care? Right. Yeah. It is I mean, kind of if like... if you're thinking about it in the context of like, oh, Gary Hart had to drop out because he had an affair with the lady while he had an open marriage. There's that one... I forget the guy who was... Uh, had was undergoing psychiatric care and like that was an issue that basically torpedoed his like lots That's of people's crazy. candidacies have been torpedoed for much less than like oh you know, sure having an sure. entire career based on being really good at doing steroids it, it always it like depends on the era and you know and kind of like our constantly changing morality politics <laughs> and yeah. and where it lines up on the partisan divide because it's like you know, uh, it, it, it's constantly switching. It just seems like... I, I think it's more just an article about like, hey, isn't it weird how uh, people's perceptions of what is disqualifying for a politician have changed so drastically? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
I'll finish off with just a quick one from the New York Post, which was really I just like the headline, so I and it feels uh-huh. feels relevant to our other uh, earlier conversation. Uh, headline: okay. Marine proud of brig breasts. Brig breasts. Uh huh. Oh, Briggy Terriggy. <laughs> what, what, what is... Sorry. A Marine reservist who went on a wild $130,000 spending spree with her Pentagon charge card was busted after a random government audit discovered a big purchase that clearly did not enhance America's military capability. Breast lift surgery. Breast lift? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I feel like... Didn't we find like in an audit that like hundreds of billions uh, are always like unaccounted for in the Pentagon budget? I mean, if a few, yeah, few, if a few reservists want to get the idea, go for it. Yeah, right. The idea of it, whenever someone talks about like um, uh, military expenditures that are like under investigation by like Congress or whatever the fuck. And they start speaking in the like, that was hundreds of thousands of dollars. I'm just like, suck a dick. <laughs> yeah. I don't care. This is a clear hit job. We probably spent because- like a, a million on like the on the single missile that we used to blow up the weather balloons, like random right. weather balloons. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Like each one of those probably costs 150 grand. We spend like hundreds of millions of dollars on accidentally bombing hospitals. Like <laughs> I don't give a shit about $100,000 for a breast lift, especially if it looks sick. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. So uh, yeah, you know that's, I feel like you guys are properly contextualized now. Um, that's been, That's good context. That's been the back in the day machine. Okay. All right. Well, uh, good, good stuff. Good to, to know. Um, this week's Balmer B story is, uh, based of course on, um, my favorite subplot in the episode. Um, and that is, uh, Ziggy and Frank in jail talking. Um, and, uh, I'll, I'll play a little bit of that for you right now. You share more genes with your mom. I prefer your cousin Nicky, he is calm Where is your an agent of chaos? But you've got time to think a lot Think of that Greek guy you shot Cause you will still be here tomorrow With your giant cock How can try to explain if I do Alright, well if you want to hear the rest of the song, uh, stick around to the end of the episode where of course I'll be playing it. Um, how about that Cat Stevens impression though, guys? Was that, mm, that's pretty, that's, was that good? good? Yeah, good use of oh, good use of, It's a good use of music. Thank you. <laughs> oh, all right. Yeah, it was a good use of music. That's his, um, na- his name's Yusuf Islam now, right? Yeah. Oh, did you say good use of Yusuf? Yusuf. That was a deep cut. It was, and, uh, it was a pun. I don't know. Yeah. It, no, was, it was good. It was a good one. Yeah, it was, it was, I think, it was didn't good. he get, like, right after 9-11, he got, like, put on the, like, terrorist watch list? Yeah, yeah. In. Yeah, this was definitely not a good time for the Yusufs or the Islams of the world. So, um, and but I remember he was like one of the guys who like there was a telethon um, where uh, different prominent like Western Muslims, like celebrity Muslims, were going on TV and being like, um, "Hey, Islam is a religion of peace." He was one of them, and it was like Muhammad Ali, 
Um, and then I just remember that like in between those messages and like the random concerts that would be like, you know, the, the put your boot up your ass. It's the American way guy. Like, uh, I was like, there's a lot of mixed messages going on here, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, well, and then remember when John McCain had to like, every, he had to stop yeah. the like debate and be like, no, no, man, ma'am, Barack <laughs> yeah, Obama is a good Christian man. Literally oh, yeah. all she was, she, her question was like, how can we elect a Muslim? And, yeah, and then right. everybody was like, John, or just a solid guy. Solid yeah. guy. He was like, no, 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 no. Don't worry. He's not a dirty Muslim. He is a Christian. All right. <laughs> he's a Christian. He's not yeah. even and, a Jew, ma'am. Yeah, he's not even a disgusting Jew. He is. He is merely uh, a black Christian, and um, you know. And we all were like, damn, that John McCain. Pff, he really is a maverick. Um, okay. Wait, but let's can talk we ab- talk about how Ziggy is the most unfairly yes. maligned character? I, I absolutely think it is time to talk about it. Let's talk about this episode. Let's finally, we're closing the book on Ziggy in this episode. Um, uh, let, let's start with our thoughts and we'll start with you, uh, Leah. The You believe that Ziggy to be an unfairly maligned character. Yes. I, I agree. Ziggy's, Ziggy's an idiot, but Ziggy's struggling. Ziggy, Ziggy yeah. Nick, his... His dad has not been there for him. His dad has yeah. clearly favored his cousin. Yeah. Uh, he just, he just, all he ever wanted to do was, you know, impress somebody, do something. Yes. It's not his completely. fault that chicken died, except it is his fault. That it was a duck died. and it, it was, was definitely his fault. <laughs> 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 I mean, he was feeding it booze. No one said uh, he was a good how pet How was owner. he to know? Yeah. So I, I, I agree with no, you. But, and no, I, but, but truly, I think yes. if he's, he's. Ziggy's just like a lost kid. He just yeah. is, he's like a lost kid in a, in, you know, in a world of criminal. Yeah. Criminals conspiracy. and like, and like jocks. He's a lost theater kid in a world of jocks. He and, is such a theater kid. If somebody yeah. would have just like scooped him up and been like. Yes. Here's my Miz. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like. Mm-hmm. It's it is. And I I agree with you that I think he's unfairly maligned. We've talked this entire season about how like one of the big issues I think a lot of people had with it, um, other than like leaving all of our friends, you know, uh, the street stuff. um, It was Ziggy and Ziggy being such a wild card and such a agent of chaos and such a fucking annoying dipshit. That people Which were just he like, still is like you don't he have is, to yes. like just because uh, you can be sympathetic to someone doesn't mean you don't still find them intensely annoying. Yes, I I agree completely. Like it's him being annoying to me is the character. So that's why I think once you kind of understand that, and I, for me it was just a case of getting used to it, and. I feel like all of the wire is better on rewatch and Ziggy yeah. included. So Ziggy for me was uh, a big hurdle for enjoying season two of the wire. And upon rewatch, you really do understand where Ziggy is coming from and kind of where this all led to and how tragic of a character. Well, is. I also think, you know, a big, like th- this episode basically, uh, it did like the version of saying the title out loud, like with the theme where like, yeah, uh, 
Frank Sabaka basically like says the theme of the entire season uh, yeah. out loud, and you're like, oh, you do the you do the Leonardo DiCaprio pointing thing. You know what the trouble is, Brucey? We used to make shit in this country, build shit. Now we just put our hand in the next guy's pocket. Oh, that's it. Yeah. That's the thing. So, like, in the context of a show that's all about systemic failures and people that are, like, sort of products of their environment, uh, yeah. Ziggy stands out as being, like, a complete wild card. Like, he is just sort totally. of, like, a, you know, a random aberration. So, like, he he is sort of a, annoying in the sense that he doesn't necessarily... Like, The Wire conditions you to expect characters to sort of articulate specific themes uh, of the show sure. and, like, David Simon's general thoughts on society and like ziggy doesn't yeah. do that he's just like a complete wild card so right you know it's uh it's weird it's weird i don't i don't think he's <laughs> he, like good yeah, or bad a, but i understand a weird the pushback. For, yeah and I, well also i think like this this is i guess my end of an hbo prestige observation but it's like he's written to be annoying he's yeah, yeah. like when you're annoyed by him that's the point. Right. He's kind of this like thorn in the side, like my idiot son. No, a hundred percent. But I, I kind of feel like I've said this before. Like I always make the comparison between Ziggy and AJ because to me they're, uh, yeah, they're similar characters, but I think AJ doesn't stand out in the Sopranos because a lot of the characters are aberrant in that way. Like it's not mm-hmm. really like it, there is stuff about the system and societal forces and stuff like that, but it's, it's nowhere near as specific as, uh, the wire is. Whereas, you know, the Sopranos is sort of a novel about, you know, it's like, a it's a family. It's an, it's a more novelistic. Uh, it's more about mm-hmm. the storylines of the individual characters. I don't really think it's about David Chase's worldview in nearly the same way that the wire is about David Simon's worldview. Right. So I think Ziggy's a much more awkward fit. Like he's, AJ's deliciously annoying where I feel like Ziggy is just annoying annoying. Yeah. Yeah. AJ's 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 I don't know, there are all the things AJ does and then he's like I'm going to go into like I'm going to be a uh a, goth, a concert an promoter. Oh, <laughs> like, oh yeah. Well that was perfect. It, 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 that's definitely written to be a certain way. Yeah. And and honestly those guys kids do grow up like that. Yeah. But Yeah. yeah. Can I say one thing about the penultimate episode? Please, please. And I don't know if this has been discussed yet, but George Pelicanos always writes the penultimate episode. So it's interesting that... I didn't know that. And also the penultimate episode is always the only episode that does features a non-diegetic song. Mm. Really? I was gonna, I was gonna say that it is it is uh there was a lot of Greek music this episode and that was kind of <laughs> kind of my biggest criticism. They let that Greek song play for way too long. We're like, we get it. I we're, think that's like the best part. We're, we're smashing that's, plates. It, I get it. It's it's the <laughs> they're they're not wow. I, I go I, to the I go to the Greek my uh, one of my good friends lives near where they have the Greek festival every year in Novato, so mm-hmm. I've been that, to that a few times. And the funniest part of it every year is whenever they do like the traditional Greek dancing, all of the men are out there like doing the splits and like basically break dancing, and then the girls are sort of just like <laughs> scared, just sort of just sort of like bopping to the side side to side in the corner. Like it's clearly yeah, you're doing all a about penguin dance, which I like. <laughs> it's very funny because it's very much like birds 
birds, you know, like the men do like like do a big like <laughs> dance to, to have a mate and the women yeah. are like, you know, they're camouflaged so they don't get eaten by like predators and stuff. Yeah, That's right, very right. Much, it looks you look like you feel like you're watching that when you see like the traditional Greek dances. And it's really <laughs> you funny. go into a Greek restaurant. Is this a nature documentary? <laughs> it's like, no, this is a 15 year old's birthday party. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Um, Laws of yeah. George Pelicanos is a Greek. And yeah, I, right. He, there was a degree to which he was like, oh, this is like, this is my moment. It's my time to shine. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah I this mean, how I, I win. I feel like uh, the uh, just going back to like where, you know, the, the Ziggy character is for me. I started for the first time seeing, um, oh, there is a similarity between Frank and Ziggy. And that similarity is that they both are obsessed with the perception that they are selfless people. Like Frank does it in a and way where the, it's just, and with the, the perception that they are, uh, you know, to be respected. Yeah. Like they're important. obsessed with like yeah. importance to the group. Right. And, and, you know, with Frank, it's like by being the boss and like giving money, you know, whenever someone is like, oh, I'm thinking of leaving the, you know, if I, things are bad or I lost a leg or whatever. He's got, you know, the money and he wants to be the guy. He wants to be the guy who helps. And Ziggy's only way of doing that is by sacrificing his, himself uh, his own like self-respect really to get a laugh. Yeah. And Which that makes to me sense in the context is... of the fact that he's a 20 something dude. Like, and when you're a 20 something yes. dude, one of the most important things in your life is being the guy at the bar with the best story. Right. right. Yeah. And, and making them laugh and like literally fucking, uh, being like setting up various rakes on the floor <laughs> to hit yourself in the face with and just being like, huh, let me stay. Yeah, and yeah. I, I feel like that is such a, a tragic thing to be because it's, uh, I mean, you know, I think for every comedian, there's a version of Ziggy inside us where we are okay with a little bit of like, I don't know, a, a negative attention. Negative attention and degrading ourselves a little bit mm -hmm. just for the sake of others. And of course, you know, some people I think take that too far. And Ziggy is one of them where he just is like, he, he doesn't understand that like there's a level at which your, your self degradation is going to be a real turnoff for people. Like, like when you he killed your own duck. That, he doesn't know that they're laughing at him. Right, right. Or it's like he, he knows sometimes that they're laughing because sometimes they're laughing with him sometimes he has a joke and he the, thinks everyone that they the will rec laughs. recognize the selflessness inherent inherent and yes. being the one that people laugh at and uh they're, they're not they're not gonna yeah they're not no gonna because that. they're a bunch of like stevedores who are like yeah they're a bunch like of a jocks and little, yeah yeah and that's the thing it's like like he's just not in he's not in the right world these are not peers these aren't people that like he relates to and and he feels like he should because he's a sabatka and uh mm. you know he just doesn't because he was much like aj soprano i think he has always um been a little bit uh insulated from the the sort of rougher parts of that because his dad has money and runs the docks um but i think i think this this whole storyline it does what the wire does, which is sort of reward your patience where it's like, okay, yes. if you put up with Ziggy's bullshit in the beginning, we're going to, yes. we're going to come to like a nice arc at the end and you're going to understand it and you're going to be like, and oh, Ziggy's, cool. I get it. All right. Good. Ziggy's final scene 
uh, in this episode, um, and I think his only scene, for me, um, and it, it leads in perfectly to the next thing I want to talk about, which is that this is Chris Bauer's magnum yes. fucking opus. Like, he has been a terrific actor, I think, this entire... I mean, he's clearly a, uh, just a cut above most of the actors on The Wire, period. I mean, you know, I think that there are exceptions. I think, obviously, like Wendell Pierce or... Um, uh, Beatty. Beatty. Yeah, yeah. Amy Ryan is great. He's, he's Prop some of the, Joe, he's Robert the, Chu is great. But he's he, one of the best actor-actors. Like, there's a, like, there's a lot of yes. characters that were obviously cast because they're almost that character. I don't right. think he is. Like, he is just no. that good. Him and Amy Ryan, like, stand out as people that are just that good. And he does this thing that I think few actors do or that when people say this line, uh, I am usually just like, what the fuck are you talking about? But he does lift the performances of everyone he works with, everyone around him. In this episode, he has three or four incredible scenes in which, like, he is just, like, not only, like, just so good playing this character, but, like, everyone around him is just killing it. The scene with Ziggy and and him is so heartbreaking. And uh, I, I have a clip. Uh, what happened? Oh no. I got tired. Got tired of being a punchline to every joke. You had problems, you could have come to me. Could have said something. You wouldn't have heard. I always used to think you were working all them hours you spent away. It was all work, Zig, even when it wasn't. For you. Your mother. Pop. When I seen what I did to that kid down at the store, it made me sick of my stomach. That ain't you, Zig. It ain't. Cause the same blood don't flow for us, Pop. I mean, I wish it did, but it don't. You're more like me than you know. You're Sabaka. Fucked is what I am. Fuck can I say? Fuck, bro. I'm actually crying. Oh, yeah. Again. <laughs> yeah, I know. Me too. And then I'm he fucking... like disappears into Gen Pop. He just like Oh. oh. And like him kind of ending that scene as he's disappearing in the gen pot, you know, he, he leaves Frank with the fuck can I say in this kind of once again doing the light appropriation of the AAVE like accent and like, and it was just like, oh, Zig, like this poor fucking kid just can't find an identity. And it's just, oh yeah, that, that scene kills me, dude. It's like the first time I've ever seen uh, like um, someone doing a remorseful like monologue and and having it like ring true because like I know this it, it, without ever actually murdering someone I know this feeling the feeling of like being like angry and then doing something violent and and then regretting it so much and like just just 
unable to get the image out of your head of the thing that you did. And, uh, and you know, uh, of course, I'm not talking about shooting someone. I'm not talking about the one time I punched my sister in the eye. But it was <laughs> like, literally, I, I have, I still, I have that memory and it fucks me up because it was like, so it was so fucked. It was just like, yeah, you know, I, I and, stepped on a guy's eye playing rugby once and I always felt. You stepped on his eye? How do you step on just an eye? <laughs> well, his face was kind of in the ruck and I put my foot on his face and I could see the, I could see the cleat sort of like pushing his eye to the side. Oh my God. Damn. You monster. Um, no, yeah, it's like the, like the the regret, and I think this is true of like a, a lot of people. I think like you know, uh, unless you're someone who grew up with a lot of violence, where violence was like normalized, I think you know, for at least for me, um, you know, like doing something uh, that was impulsive and violent is like you feel actual remorse for it, and like Ziggy's remorse in that scene, just oh, it's so fucking heartbreaking because he just so badly wants to be that kind of like cool violent sociopath that he that he thinks everyone around him is you know even just the stevedores he thinks they're like they'll do like these cruel things and not think twice and he just can't be cruel he doesn't have the ability i think because i know davis i'm always trying to do this but this is like such a better example of why the carceral system is broken in many ways and i think it is helpful because Ziggy's like a white guy, but you yeah. do see that like people do like, this is like the whole, like where the victim rights stuff went really wrong was like, well, I don't care how they grew up. Like, to, you right. know, I don't care like what they were exposed to when in actuality, like you, you, you should care and you can care and you can like, you can what, still be like, mad Ziggy's at them and gonna, have empathy at the same time. Yeah. yeah and, and also like maybe, Maybe sending him, I mean, who knows? Maybe they're going to have, like, a, a prison production of, like, Joseph That's what we were amazing Technicolor. <laughs> like, maybe he's going to find himself in prison, but I I doubt it. <sighs> um, yeah, no. And no. there's, there, it's, you, you see this happen where he just, you know, that's it. He's dead. He's, and what good has yeah. it done to anybody? Yeah. No, exactly. And this isn't, this helps no one, you know, this is just, um, it's just, it's all around tragedy. It's just the perfect, you know, definition of like, this is just tragic all around, you know? This is why I don't know why people can say that this season sucks because this season is like, I was a little bit, at first I was really psyched. And then when I I rewatched, I was a little bit mad at you because I I kept crying. (laughs) (laughs) yeah we did choose the most cry episode um i mean to be fair my like emotional barometer is yeah me too i just had a baby and so now i cry at everything which is such a weird response vince is that a case with you or you you're you too much of a man no i agree with that like where you just have like weird moments where you get all sensitive about some dumb crap Right. Yeah. Like, like fiction is always like, I, I always enjoy, I've always enjoyed a good cry. I've always, you know, like uh, someone who watched things, especially if they were cryy, but now the cry isn't this like cath- as cathartic as it once was. Now it's truly like a deep, like sadness. Like I feel sadness for this character and that's, that's new to me. Um, and I, I, again, I just have to say that like, 
the, for me, Ziggy, the actor who plays Ziggy, I think we've spent this entire season uh, not saying what his name is because, you James know, James Ransone. James Ransone is a fantastic actor. I love him. And it, it, like this character for me, I, I've, I've come around fully. Whereas I think we started off being like, I don't know, Nikki and Ziggy are a little bit, you know, especially compared to Chris Bauer. But man, that scene fucks me up. Um, and I, I give credit to him and I give credit to Chris Bauer. So many good scenes. Another good scene with Chris Bauer in this episode. Um, you know, we start off with he gets arrested by Valchek, which is. Yeah. Well, they arrested hilarious. everybody. Uh, mm -hmm. They arrested White Mike. They arrested. Yeah. Uh, Eton, Eton. Yeah, and Brent is here to arrest our development. Yes, sorry. Before you get too far into this uh, next uh, bit of the show, I think we bummed everybody out, and it's time to cheer them up. <laughs> I yes. know. With some ads. With some ads. <laughs> Woo! All right. Well, if you are just sad enough to buy the products and services we are now hawking, I would suggest you do so because they are great products and services. So stick around. We'll be right back. Hey everyone, Matt Lieb here with an annoying mid-roll ad that I'm going to be playing until March 17th. Why March 17th, you ask? Well, <laughs> because I'm going to be co-headlining the Sacramento Punchline on Sunday, March 17th at 7 p.m. with my wife, Francesca Fiorentini. I would love it if you all bought your tickets to it. It's going to be really fun. Um, you helped us sell out uh, when we co-headlined the San Francisco Punchline, and now I'm asking for you to... Do it again. That's right. If you're in the Sacramento area or somewhere nearby, um, come to the Sacramento Punchline Sunday, March 17th, 7 p.m. It's going to be so much fun. I'm going to be there. Francesca's going to be there. Uh, someone else is going to open for us. I don't know who, but someone probably pretty funny. You're going to have a great time, and you can get your tickets right now by either clicking the link uh, that's in the show notes or going to punchlinesack.com and uh, buying your tickets. Do it. And if you can't go, hey, maybe you have friends who are in the area and you you know, you know can tell them like, hey, you like comedy. Come see this guy who does a podcast and his wife who also does a podcast. It'll be great. So yes, please come. Sacramento Punchline, March 17th. That's a Sunday at 7 p.m. Come, enjoy, laugh, love. All right. And we're back. Uh, Vince, what was that? Uh, you wanted to squeeze in a bio for White Mike? That's right. Yeah. I mean, I think this is the last time we see. I mean, this episode. He's got a couple scenes in this episode. But uh, yeah. this is the I mean, last time. a great time. scene in the beginning in which he just continues to say, you ain't got nothing on me. Yeah. Yeah. W which for me, I'm like, you know, there's they have something when someone keeps yelling, <laughs> you ain't got nothing <laughs> yeah. while you're being arrested. Goddamn thing to that right now. Got shit on me. I got shit on me. Oh, fuck. You ain't got nothing. I'm telling you. Nothing. Um, yeah, like we we have a segment on the show that we haven't done in a couple episodes about periphery characters and uh, yes. the actors who play them. Uh, White Mike, uh, the, the, every time he showed up on screen in this episode, it sort of dawned on me like, how the hell did him and Nikki Sapatka go to high school uh, <laughs> together? They're clearly different ages. And uh <laughs> I had to look it up. He is he is ten years older than uh, Pablo Schreiber, so I wasn't like crazy. he could have been held back. Yeah, I could see White Mike being held back. Sure, um, he's played by Brooke Yaten, um, mm. 
he uh, in ba- he's from Baltimore. Uh, oh. He also uh, was previously married to Tracy Lords, the famous ex porn star. Rock on! Yeah, hell yeah! Sorry. Well, I'm stoked that White Mike and Tracy Lords are in love. Um, what what else about him do we need to know? Oh, I thought that was it. That was all I got. Oh no, that's cool. <laughs> yeah. Is he the one who asked for the strawberry soda? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, two, that's him. Two hot dogs and a strawberry soda, which is <laughs> yeah. a very white Mike lunch to have. Totally. Who's even totally. had a strawberry soda? But yeah, and and two hot dogs I like because he's just like, um, you know, maybe I'll die before uh, having to <laughs> snitch on uh, all these people who are eventually going to kill me. Well, um, even Kima is like strawberry. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> two hot dogs and a strawberry soda. I'd fuck the order up. It's got to be strawberry, huh? Hook a brother up. McNulty does the classic man move in that scene where he's like, oh, you you handle it. I'll probably just fuck it up. Yeah. Um. What I love about there's this wonderful sequence after everybody is arrested in which we see them all in a box. And there's uh, they're all asking the names, uh, them to state their names for the record. And no one's doing it. And, uh, and Kima is talking to the madame. Uh, or the madam, uh, and <laughs> she gives her this name, which I love. Come on, you know this part. Give us a name. Lesbianka. Graznaya Pizda. There is your name. Okay. <laughs> I tried to so, look that up to see what it meant. Did you find uh... it? means lesbian dirty bitch. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and I love Lesbianka. Is I mean for me I was just like it's like lesbian but and Bianca mixed together but I think it is also just the Russian word for lesbian but man lesbianka Graznaya pista is just as a three name first middle last name fucking name uh, just, uh wonderful That's wonderful it. also she has an eye she has great gaydar mm, yeah I mean mm. she's in the business she's in the business. There's also when there's a, there's a quote that um, well there's they do t- two quotes simultaneously that I always love from this season which is when mm-hmm. when he goes Boris why always yeah. Boris state your name no name huh well for now we'll just call you Boris Boris why always Boris <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. and then they, then they play. Scene. They play the tape back when he's like, "Does he have hands? Does he have? Does face? he have a face? It's not one of then ours. It, w- it wasn't us. Or yeah, yeah. it wasn't us. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Uh, and just the idea that he's like finally caught, and once again he is called <laughs> Boris. Like us. Uh, <laughs> why always Boris? Um, I love that. Um, and I also love that uh, you know for Frank. You see, you know, at the beginning of this episode, um, you know, uh, Valchek is in the back of the car with a couple of feds who he's leading around, just going, Frank the backer, Frank the backer, yeah, yeah, Frank the backer. And, and, uh, you know, they're following him, and you're not sure why they aren't arresting him yet. You think maybe they don't, you know, have enough on him. And it turns out that the reason that they are waiting to arrest him is because they want to make a scene. Yeah, not enough so, profile, which I didn't even not a, yes. I didn't get what they meant at first, and then it sort of becomes clear. Yes, so he arrests him in the union hall, and he, uh, I mean, he says this, which I fucking 
I I love so much. Got another problem here, Larry. <laughs> big bad on the docks. You don't look so big down, do you? Huh? You had months to come up with a cool thing to say <laughs> when you arrest the guy who got the stained glass window before you. And that's what you, a uh, big man, big, strong, big dick man. Well, who's got the biggest dick around? Like this guy, oh, it's, he just, he's a constant embarrassment. I love, I love Valchek. Yeah. So yeah, uh, all these guys are, are, are getting arrested and uh, Frank is able to be, uh, you know, bailed out. And now he's doing a bunch of cleanup and he is, you know, we, we get a lot of closure on like a lot of the different threads that are happening um, throughout this season. The grain pier fucked up. It is gone now because of this arrest. Uh, no politician wants to appropriate any money for the grain pier. So this thing he's been working so hard for is gone. And and that's when he says, you know, the line, um, you know, uh, uh, we used to build shit in this country. And now we just, you know, go in other people's pockets, which yeah. uh, is the. The, the theme of yeah, the that's, season. That's the theme, yeah. That's the, yeah, that's kind of the title, yeah. That's the whole thing. Um, and uh, and then also, uh, Frank is, uh, you know, he you see him talk to his brother uh, again. Uh, the In the cold open of this episode, uh, it's a, a montage of a bunch of arrests happening. You see White Mike, the Madam, Sergey, all get arrested, Eton. Um, and uh, Nikki is the only one who doesn't get arrested uh, uh you you see his house get broken into and um you know they they smash and they find the heroin and they find the money and you see him nikki has just been in bed this whole time and did you notice who he was in bed with vince yeah prissy catlow prissy catlow i mean that was so a great scene it was like how can we make this hangover worse like oh yeah. i know he's gonna be yeah. in bed with prissy catlow the yeah uh, the uh, local bicycle. Yeah. Um, it was, uh, yeah. Prissy Catlow is uh, in the season two lore, as we all know, was the one that Ziggy, uh, people played a prank on Ziggy saying that he uh, knocked her up. Um, he, uh, She was the one who was crying with Nikki after Ziggy's arrest. Um, and Nikki was doing the streetcar named Desire scene. Um, and, uh, and now... Um, Nikki has slept with Prissy Catlow, which good for him. Um, <laughs> so uh, that was yeah, her. yeah, good for her. By the way, yeah, she's. I that like was that so she... heartbreaking for uh, you know his girlfriend. She's over there sleeping in the in the shitty basement room of his house. Yes, uh, and he's not even there. Like they're finding his heroin. He's not even there because he's with Prissy Catlow. Yeah, that's gonna yeah. be an argument later. I feel like that. I imagine <laughs> that's gonna fuck up the relation. Just. A bit um but uh frank goes to visit his brother and um his brother and he have this great scene another fantastic scene together in which his brother basically scolds him for the fact that like you know this was of course the next thing that was going to happen which i think i've been saying this entire time this whole time the you know nikki we start off the season with his aversion to doing the drug game he's like you know i don't want to get you know popped like some project n-word you know for pocket change and instead they're like stealing cameras from the docks because it's like oh well you yeah, know that's high class crime that's good high class white crime 
Um, and then, of course, he goes, you know, as soon as he is able to, he becomes this drug dealer. Now, it's only for a hot second before it all falls apart. But he does the thing immediately. He buys a big car. He, you know, starts like buying kilos from White Mike, a guy who he was making fun of at the beginning of this of the season. And um, and his father in yelling at Frank, you know, is like, yeah, of course this was going to happen. And uh, I, I have that scene. I knew Nicky and Zig was boosting stuff, cameras, shit like that. Nothing like this. You knew? And once Nicky got used to boosting stuff and seeing a little money, what did you think he was going to do? Turn straight all of a sudden and give it up? No, Frank. Once you gave him a taste on a house, just... That was never. I mean, he knew. He knew. Everything I did, the cans I let through, the money we got from that went to keeping what we had. God damn it, Frank. Don't let that excuse this. Not this. God damn it, Frank. You had a I, choice. You could have just uh, been sad and f made fake <laughs> bets on b horses like I do. Yeah, Instead, like I did. You tried to make your life better. Get up, Rock. Get up, Rock. I don't know why. <laughs> um... I I I I love the Sabatka brothers. I love their relationship, and I love that you know, Frank Sabatka's brother is like not. He's like they play him as this like principled guy or whatever. Um, but he is kind of like the perfect, in my opinion, if you've ever known like East Coast Catholic martyrs, which I'm sure you guys mm. <laughs> have known uh, or are, you know, in your families and whatnot. But like he is the perfect East Coast Catholic martyr character where he's like, no, no, no. My degradation is what gets me up in the morning. Yeah, the yeah. fact that every day God takes a shit in my mouth the is how I know I'm pleasing him. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> and I just... I, this is how I, I know I'm I'm doing well by God, is how by how bad he treats yeah. me. Yeah. You know, God does not favor people who he does not piss right in their asshole on. So, <laughs> and I, I yeah, I, I think it's fucking it's a beautiful character it's like it's a father stew in miniature yeah <laughs> yes exactly give me als and kill me god show me your love um so Wait, that's... can we can we mention one thing oh Is please they, re they recycle the white mic joke in the deuce the having a char one character who's black and one character who's white and... well as we learned from big waz uh white mike is just uh like ghetto slang for like uh, a white guy who uh acts black. Swacks black oh get out yeah mm -hmm. yeah it, instead of the w word that sounds very similar to the n word yes <laughs> it is the uh, he's, appropriate he's popularly at middle school dances throughout my childhood yes yes of course uh, predominantly yeah white so. it, yeah it was a way of uh being like we could kind of say it it, that was that was our compromise word. Um, so yeah, Frank. Uh, uh, also, he you see him going into the hiring hall. He wants to like do a, a, a an honest day's work, mm -hmm. you know. And and you see a little bit of well, that. Lifts, and he also, wants to lift some boxes. He wants to he wants be, to lift some boxes. He wants to be yeah. Frank Saboxka. <laughs> wow, <laughs> you're fucking stupid. I know you're so stupid. Um, and uh, then um, I think. One of the best scenes in the show 
um, is Beatty's conversation with Frank. Two uh, terrific actors who just, this scene fucking killed me. My pal Beatrice. What, you gonna run me in again? Isn't that like double jeopardy or some shit? Stop it. Just stop it. Talk to me. And say what? What are you doing here, B? I'd like you to come in. Not in cups. Because you want to. I'm opening a door here, Frank. I can't promise you anything. Just come in. We'll start from there. You're better than them you got in bed with. Yeah, her... Well, also, there like there's a whole beady arc where, like, you know, she's a sympathetic character and mm-hmm. we're sort of... Uh, we're sort of like meant to be pleased with the fact that she's becoming like a good cop, quote unquote. Yeah. Um, but part of that, unfortunately, is that she's becoming uh, a bit of a, a boy scout like Daniels yeah. is where he's, yeah. you know, he thinks he's helping these witnesses and not yes. realizing like how badly he's fucking them over just oh, by God, just through his interference. And that's like, that's also Daniels. storyline in this is mm-hmm. so good because He's pissed. Like he has spent this entire season. Like he started this season thinking he knows how to play the game, but Mm -hmm. he still, he's just got that part of him that thinks, uh, rising the ranks is about doing good police work and it Mm -hmm. fucking never is. And he's like Lucy with the goddamn football. Uh, they keep, they keep like tricking him by like, nah, just do some good police work and you'll rise the ranks. You'll put together a good case. And then, and then fucking uh, landsman can't even tell him when the one of the object one of the targets oh. of his sting has committed a double homicide. Yeah. <laughs> no, the good police work will not save you, which is something that they say all the time. Like the job will not save you. Yeah. And he can't it learn is, the lesson. He it's impossible. Nobody learns that lesson. And the only people who know that lesson are the ones who are only doing things for the promotion. Those are the 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 only cops who are quote smart because they're the only ones that are like this is not a game of like doing the right thing in fact attempting to do the right thing is going to get innocent people hurt yes which uh says a lot about the institution itself it shows that the institution is like is just fundamentally flawed if like trying to do the right thing is not only not met with any support but actively hurts everything and everyone and uh and there hasn't been i think a case so far in which snitching has gone well for anyone and Beatty doesn't know that yet so Beatty convinces Rhonda, like i think i can convince frank to come in and uh and flip and we'll use his son as kind of leverage you know maybe we can work out a deal whatever the fuck and uh, so he, she and him have that great scene uh, in which he's, you know, she says, you're better than those that you got in bed with. And it's like, you know, and it's that's true. He is, you know, because he's not a fundamental. I mean, yeah, he's better than a murderous. Sociopath. He's better and than the, the murderer. The Greek is the Greek is like. The Greek and Marlowe are like two legit scary. Yes. The scary two of the scariest, scary. like actually scary people on the show. That yeah, once we're introduced to Marlo, it's like the first other yeah, like for me, the Greek, I was like, Oh, that guy 
is the first time I've seen I've actually been scared of an old man. Like I can watch <laughs> all of the Sopranos and literally even the most murderous old man on that show. I'm like, ah, they're funny. <laughs> you know, they could be killing someone. I'm like, ha, ha, he did it weird. Whereas like the Greek is just soft spoken and old enough that I'm like, I don't trust. So I have a, I have sort of a subtextual question about this episode. Uh, yes. Do you think Spiros is gay? Because he's got a very like sort of gay mentor protege uh, thing going on with Nikki, oh, where we're like we're no. led to be- we're led to believe like oh that's the son he never had, but yeah. mm, but maybe he actually wants to fuck him. Let's be well, honest. he does say I the mean, line. Everybody, wa- I'm sorry, but Pablo is hot. Yeah, that's like true. Pablo. That's true, and that's um, without even knowing that he's six five. But Nick, Nikki, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Our, <laughs> I call but him like, Pablo. Yeah, yeah, because we've all fucked him. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, he is he is objectively a very hot man. Um, but like, uh, yeah, he does to give you, I mean, a little bit of your, uh, you know, your theory, some credence. He does say he's like, uh, you should have had a family, and then he goes, but then I would have had a wife. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, that's a little, that's a little gay. Yeah, that's a very lifelong bachelor thing to say. Like, oh yeah, yeah. he he likes to sleep around. I was like. Is that right? <laughs> with who um and also it's funny there's um there's a good amount of uh gay jokes in this <laughs> the, I, or i guess i'm thinking of like bunk has a really great one. Oh yeah um yeah. he has a, gr- a great couple of ones uh ones in which he's talking about the about greeks and their uh history of uh inventing ass fucking and the other one in which um he explains fashion uh, as being what an adult does. A different look for our boy. Uh, Perry Ellis or something. How would a just rolled out of bed looking motherfucker like you know the designer? Okay, I'm guessing. It's a Joseph Abood. He puts dark buttons instead of brass on his blazers. That's the Abood signature. You know what they call a guy who pays that much attention to his clothes, don't you? Mm-hmm. A grown-up. Anyways, point is, is that uh, Vondis might be gay because he dresses well. Um, and he wears a he wears a special hat. He wears yeah, that yeah. special. He has layout. a statement he, hat. Like he was an early adopter <laughs> to having a statement <laughs> hat. <laughs> He's got the. It's a yeah. The statement being um, uh, newspapers for sale. Like what is that hat? That is a newsy hat. It's called I don't a know. tam. Is it called a tam? It's called a tam. They even say the word. They even say the word tam in. I think it was the in, last episode. Yeah, it could be this one where because they're, they're 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 tailing Vondis for a while in this one, and uh, they do mention clothing. Yeah, I feel like Spiros is either he's either he's either gay or he's like one of those redditor guys that are into old timey fashion. Like he's he's either gay, <laughs> milady. Or he's, he's a milady kind of guy, he's, or he's, he's an incel. Yeah, he's, he's one a, or the other. He's like a fedora guy, but this for is a, yeah, shankers. fedora guy. Yeah, this is an like this is like the. I'm too old for having used that one where you swipe uh, Tinder, Tinder. Mm-hmm. but like he's like you see that hat and you're just like no. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> he's an automatic no on Tinder, and oh, he's yeah. always writing Reddit posts about like you know I guess girls just want a mean guy, not a nice one like me. <laughs> yeah, we should go and back like, to no, when just take off your hat. Things yeah, were better when hat. men all... were men, like in Mad Men. Every all the men were so <laughs> yeah. happy. When mad men were mad men. Or like um, in Newsies. 
Yeah, like in Newsies when we used to sing to for our <laughs> supper. Um, yeah. Uh, side note. Um, at one point, Frank, uh, while he's uh, getting arraigned, I think, uh, I don't know about legal stuff, but uh, they're saying what he's accused of. One of the things he's accused of is white slavery, um, mm-hmm. which I, of course, I immediately laughed uh, because that's a funny couple of words to put together. And I was looking into a little bit of the history of white slavery and white slavery was there was like a, a white slavery panic that happened in the uh, the late 19th, early 20th century in which, which is um, basically the same thing as the human trafficking to, panic. There it's is the, a white panic happening literally little, right now. Yes, yeah. exactly. And I because I, I, I was trying to put together, I was like white slavery. I assume that has to do with the girls in the can. And I just yep. started reading about it. And it is so much it's so like that is the front the front is this is about human trafficking and stopping these women from being victimized the but white slavery is the more honest way of looking at it (laughs) because really what it was was uh it was against sex workers of course but it was also against just white women working and (laughs) uh, and there was like laws in like canada that happened uh, around the same time that the man act i think it was called happened which was the white slavery laws um that was made it illegal to employ a white woman uh because they wanted to protect uh white women from getting jobs and it specifically made it illegal for chinese immigrants to hire white women (laughs) and it 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 was just like basically anytime you hear someone uh like banging on about protecting female virtue you can almost guarantee that it is a fucking sham for something super retrograde because that's yes. like been true since you know jim crow since yeah. the slavery day like actual slavery days yeah like, well we can't <laughs> let them out because they'll just start having sex with all the white women yeah exactly and, and yeah, it being- there was a big there was a big thing about like the the chinese like defiling white women right yeah, and it's just so. Uh, but at least that's a sex positive portrayal of the Asian community. Yeah, yeah, that's Remember true. Remember in the that, Nick when uh, she uh, she lets the the guy like yeah do whatever with her foot. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, Dude, the, I need to watch the Nick. The Nick, foot the stuff? Nick is great. Oh yeah. The Nick. Have you not watched it? No, I saw the first episode and I thought it was pretty dope, especially the morphine stuff. But then it's I, the it's it's. More than The Sopranos, more than The Wire. No, it might be my favorite series of all time. All right, well, it's, we'll, we'll it's circle back. To it's that. definitely <laughs> in the conversation in my mind for sure. Okay, well, we'll we'll circle back. But uh, I I I love the, the white slavery is great because it's just it's on its face. It is like it's just saying the the quiet part out loud. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just like what are we what are we actually worried about here? It's like the human trafficking of white women, you know. What are we actually worried about here? Uh stopping women from working, white women specifically. It's just like the the racializing of it is mwah, chef's kiss of white supremacy. Um and uh so oh, Frank Beatty in the Beatty sorry in this mm-hmm. spoiler it's not really a spoiler. Beatty says like one of the smartest things of the whole um, mm-hmm. series at the end she's like well who wins like there's like those the women in the like they didn't win like they right. didn't win anything there's just like gonna be another can of right. them whatever the, I, I get too in the weeds on this but no go like ahead any anytime it, it's like the it's it's a white savior narrative and so mm. like yeah. what the 
the whole thing, the like redux of white slavery is, you know, all these like myths that like there's a zip tie on your car. That means you've been like marked for trafficking. Yes. And it's like, you know, like traffickers are going to colleges and they're getting like right. hot blonde teens to yeah. traffic. When in actuality, yeah. it's like almost always an intimate partner. It's almost always going to be somebody who's like, uh, you know, vulnerable and that they're like being abused. They're a drug user, they're trans, whatever. But like you can't pass SESTA-FOSTA by like bringing a trans black right. drug user and saying right. like exactly. they're a drug user. So it's like the white slavery is hilarious because it's like they're, you know, they're Eastern European women. Right. It's got to be a meme of a little blonde hair, blue eyed white girl holding a flower going, what happened to my mommy? And people going, we got to pass Esther Foster now. We got it. Sometimes you just you know? have to accept that like the world is a shitty place, right? Like right. sometimes you just have to accept that like some people are like doing things that are, are, this goes back to Ziggy, right? Like mm -hmm. Ziggy does something and then he feels like such genuine remorse for it. Like you, the same way you have to believe that he's a person and you should have empathy for him. Like mm -hmm. you also have to believe that like, the way to save somebody from trafficking or the way to save somebody from like being, um, you know, addicted to drugs, like isn't always going to be to like get them to stop taking drugs or get them right. to stop yeah, exchanging I mean, sex for drugs. It, yeah, yeah. Just like it, it's an acceptance of the fact that they might keep doing these things and they might die. And right. that's just like that's that's how the world works. And you just right. treat them with dignity yeah. because we all live yeah. different lives and sometimes yeah. your solutions for them especially like legal or carceral solutions for these things they just make things worse which is the whole theme of policing the wire don't well, right the, the whole policing thing, the whole, thing, the whole wire takes place in the context of uh you know these guys are fighting the drug war which is inherently like unwinnable and mm -hmm, uh mm -hmm. and mostly self-defeating but they're hoping that they can get a few things done they can get they can they're hoping they can get a few of the right things done for the wrong reasons, which is like right. the entire story of them going to the FBI and being like, we realize that the FBI only cares about fucking up this union. Like that's their their only mm -hmm. motivation is to break up a thing that's mostly good, but we're hoping right. we can get them to just do this one one right. good thing for the wrong reasons. And then of course it ends up being uh the thing that kills Frank Sabatka, basically. That's right. <laughs> yeah. And uh, the big thing that kills Frank Sabatka is, like, sadly, is he's, is Beatty's, like, I don't know, uh, naivete. Like, she doesn't know, like, that this, they don't know that the FBI has a, a, a Greek rat inside who's, like, telling the Greek straight up, like, hey, this is what's happening. Like faxing a message that says like, Frank is snitch, K kill I do, snitch. I do love the seriousness with which the like fax is yeah. placed yeah. into yeah. the yeah. <laughs> yeah, but of course, of course with the with the, uh, the music, you know, the fucking like the Greek shit, just like the. No way. I love that montage. I can't believe you guys hate that montage. I no, so I, I love the montage. I said it was like Goodfellas Layla. <laughs> it is. It is. It's Greek Layla, you know. Uh, and yeah, I it's I liked it. But it, yeah, it is. It's like they're dumping like all of these this, like heroin, and then it's like 
facts being yeah, yeah, like yeah. slipped into them. And then you're just like, and if anybody who's ever had to fax is like, oh, fuck, does the fax go face up or face down? Yeah, right. Like, Am I doing it right? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, um, and it's it's tragic because, like, obviously Nikki is also uh, somewhat uh, responsible for Frank's death here because he talks to uh, Vondis uh, in the scene where, you know, he's basically telling him, like, hey, we can help get uh, Ziggy out. All you have to do is, you know, like, be loyal. And uh, and there's this uh, great moment where they, they uh, Vondis says this line. from the docks <laughs> anyways uh <laughs> gotta have an edit every episode um yeah and of course nikki is the reason um that frank is going down there to talk to vondis and uh and the greek um about that this scene deal where he's like walking under the bridge Oof. where mm. the greek gets off the phone and it's like yeah it won't work Ugh. yeah I yeah. cried again. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Especially because it's like, uh, you know, Vondis, you see Vondis is like, he is trying to keep these guys alive. He's yeah. trying to keep, you know, this relationship going with uh, with Nikki and with Frank. And he's like, you know, I think we can make this work. Because, like, Frank is up until the very last point where he goes in to talk to Beatty and the, the cops. He is a solid guy. He is a union guy. He's a solidarity guy. He's a non-snitching guy. And fuck mm-hmm. if Beatty didn't kind of tear into that hard mm-hmm. exterior and loosen him up to the idea. And of course, it ends disastrously. Um, and Beatty knows and, it too in the next episode. Oh, That's yeah. Like her and you feel for like, her. Yeah. Her arc is tragic, but she also is the only one in the series who's a cop who learns anything yeah and is like this is not for me fuck this (laughs) i i got this job because i saw a posting when i used to work at a toll booth like this job maybe isn't for me um so that's what happens with that real quick we got to talk about the three scene arc in this episode between omar stringer and brother muzone Yes. yes. I can't so, forget. Well, we there's forget. just so was... there's just so much. There's so much going on. Um as I and... pointed out before, uh Stringer Bell, his confident exterior hides the fact that he's completely fucking incompetent. And he pulled... No, he's a dumbass. So he attempts such he attempts a, such a dumbass. He attempts this this scheme that is almost guaranteed to blow up in his face. <laughs> of course. Like Omar Omar and Brother Mazon are so smart and Stringer's like, I'm gonna play three dimensional chess on them. Yeah. Yeah. So Omar uh has this parlay with String who convinces him that uh or does I mean a pretty good job of convincing him that Brother Mazon was the guy who did it. So y'all went past that with Brandon. That wasn't me. That wasn't Abel and Eva. Bird and them were there to see it, but another man did all the extras. See, now that this man, he building a rep for himself, and he wants you bad. Little bow tie wearing motherfucker from out of uh, NYC. What'd he go by? Brother Mozon. I know you heard of him, right? So if y'all got the mind to go after him, I might be able to point you in that direction. Why? I figured that'd make us even. Now you want to know where this nigga is? 
Yeah, the the hardest part to believe is that Omar would have believed it in the first place, but I guess you know, yeah, he blinded. But also because it's Brandon. Yeah, yeah, maybe like fucked with his judgment. Also, uh, do you Prop notice Joe that- brings him now too, right? Like, why does Prop Joe broker this? Because he wants to sell his drugs. Yeah, he yeah, because to- Stringer has a deal with Prop Joe in which like he's basically Stringer's getting rid of his some of his corners and some of prime territory. So that Stringer can get Prop Joe's good shit. And uh, that's the deal that's being fucked up by Brother Muzon, who's chasing off all of the East Side people. Um, and did you guys notice that uh, Stringer hits a hard R when he says the N word uh, in that scene between um, him and Omar? Um, I-, I just. Oh, is it like an accident? Um... I think it was an accent accident. <laughs> <His> accent. <laughs> It was kind of like, weird. We don't have this word in English. Yeah, there was a, there's this another scene when uh, Frank Sabatka's doing his uh, when he's doing his Frank Sabatka uh, arc, <laughs> where like <laughs> he briefly does the ba- the Baltimore accent, which he yes! like, kind of hasn't been yes. doing this entire season. Yeah, yeah, when he is um, uh, showing his getting the ID from the other guy, yeah. I, I noticed that too. Mm-hmm. I was just like, wait, yeah, he. He finally decided to do it. Maybe they shot it out of sequence, or who knows. I don't see no resemblance. We're both bald, we're both Polacks. The fuck else you need to know? This show is like the, the wins an actual award for least consistent accents. Yes, yes. Also, they- apparently you guys didn't listen to the entire DVD commentary because- Apparently not. Dominic and- Michael have a long conversation about the fact that neither of them can do the Baltimore accent. <laughs> I think it it adds character to the show in that it is. Uh, I mean, at the time, no one knew what a fuck what the fuck a Baltimore accent was, and so I did, you were just. I dated a guy from Baltimore. Well, like, you know, I, and then and then when the the what was the one the Kate Winslet and she's from Titanic. No. Yeah, Mayor of Easttown. Oh, Mayor of Easttown. Mayor of Easttown, and everybody's like, "Water, water, 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 water. Yeah, water in the Hermie Yeah, yeah. Hurry, you know, I'm from Pennsylvania. One of the funny things, uh, Sorry. when Lance Reddick died this week, R.I.P. R.I.P. We still haven't talked about. It that. never occurred to me that he was born and raised in Baltimore, and I think, I don't know, maybe he was. Uh, like got into theater too early that he like, sort of lost the accent, but yeah, uh, yeah, I, like I don't hear the Baltimore accent in him at all, even though he's actually from there. Yeah, I I guess I I I didn't know that, and uh, yeah, that's I think when I you forgot. get a, well, you know, an MFA from Yale in uh in in acting, like maybe <laughs> him and Jeremy, him and Jeremy Strong. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And, uh, and Meryl Streep. So after Omar talks with uh, Stringer. Um, he is stalking Lamar and um, uh, Muzone, and um, uh, Muzone's still mad about not having his hoppers. Um, but what I love is Lamar, um, while uh, Omar is kind of like stalking, he notices Omar's love of dogs and is like, that's my in. So in the scene where Omar breaks in and you know shoots Muzone, um, he uses his two girls that he's done, you know, a bunch of, uh, you know, uh, rip and runs with, uh, in earlier seasons. And you think like, oh, he's using these two girls to distract, um, uh, Lamar from like guarding the door. But 
Lamar is not interested at all in those girls. And instead he bends down. He's like, hey, look at this fluffy little one. (laughs) (laughs) And, And while he's petting the adorable little fluffer, then Omar comes in and knocks him out. And what's this good boy's name? Hey, boy. How you doing today? You think good? This is a good boy. There it is. That is how I will get got one day. Yes, that's how Vince will get got. 100%. Uh, uh, so do you it was... think Omar would ever kill a dog? No. Never. Never. No. Never. It's a, uh, that's right? got to be. If he has a code, dogs are, like. Dogs are civilians. They're yeah, dogs. Civilians. Unless it was like a drug <laughs> dealer dog. Yeah, if the dog no. was in the game, maybe. Yeah. Like if it was, a, yeah, a drug, a sniffer dog, he'd be like, oh, well, yeah. That dog's yeah, in the yeah. game. No, the game is the game. A dog. No. Uh, I don't know. A, a cab includes sniffer dogs. I'm sorry to, <laughs> sorry to let you know, but that's what a cab includes. I don't make the rules. Um, so yeah, uh, knocks out Lamar, shoots Brother Mazone, and Brother Mazone is able to crawl out of his own damn grave by being like, "That's not my style." And 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 Omar lives up to his code. He has a code, and we see it in action where he's like, oh, fuck, I got tricked, and then calls for an ambulance, and uh, and he leaves. And yeah, so we'll see if that turns around and bites Stringer in the ass later. Yeah, I wonder I wonder what, what's going to happen to Stringer as a result. Probably nothing. Probably <laughs> everything will work out with the two literal superheroes of the show both being after him. <laughs> um so yeah, um, that that is the thing that happens, and uh, that's the end of the episode. That's everything that happens. Um, if I had to grade this episode, and I do, I would give it a B plus. Vince, what would you give this episode if you had to give it? I'd have a lot of things, but you know, yeah, but yeah, it's a tough B, it's all B plus. Wow, I didn't yeah. expect it. But it was a, it's a, 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 a bit, uh, Leah, a bit, 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 bit. Uh, would you give B plus? What What would you give Gray? <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah! Oh. So, <laughs> We're all in agreement. We've gotten to yes, yes, yes. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Oh, listener bio. We, we've gotten to plus, plus, plus. We've gotten to plus, plus, plus. Um, solid B plus episode of The Wire and truly a solid A plus episode of Pod Yourself The Wire. Leah, thank you so much for coming on the show. I, I, I love you. And I love your family, and I want you to know that you having family in the background of this podcast is one of the reasons I love having you on, because... I'm always a disaster. I love that. I love that. You have one of my favorite moments ever last season where a door slammed and I went, ah! (laughs) And and so, I just, I love it. Um, Where can people find you? And uh, tell tell us uh, the name of of your book. Okay, so the, the, I prepared this in advance. The Ooh. name of my book is Down City. It came out in 2017, which means that nobody's ever going to buy it again. But people should buy it because yeah. I I went through um, my uh, recently deceased stepmom's emails, um, and her brothers had a back and forth about how, based on the Amazon summary of my book they were never going to read my book because Mm. um it said based on the amazon summary leah is not grateful to you or any of the aloisios and i don't even understand why why she would write this you're way more gracious than me particularly uncle roy 
who's, who's a real dick. Um, fuck you, Uncle Roy. Yeah. Fuck no, like real fuck you, Uncle Roy. He's he. I already swore at him about the. I, I swore at him previously at the good family lore. But if you want to, if you really want to stick it to Uncle Roy, who's a real dick, um, <laughs> you can buy my book Down City, wherever yes. books are sold. Hell yeah! Do it Get for it. Uncle Roy's spite. Yeah, do it for spite. Do it which to spite we, Uncle Roy. Also, because Uncle Roy thinks I wrote the Amazon description. Fuck you, Uncle. Yeah. Also, and, like Uncle Roy, I you I met you like ten times in my life. Yeah. Uh, so a big suck a dick, Uncle Roy, <laughs> from all of us here at Pod Yourself, The Wire. Leah Carroll, thank you so much for coming on. We love you. Patreon.com slash broadcast. The eight dollar tier gets you a shout out. Vince, we have four shout outs oh, this geez. week. And oh, one of them geez. is uh first and foremost, Leah's friend. Uh, listener and all around amazing person, Patrick Williams. Yeah, Patrick. I mean, that's an easy one because, you know, he's like uh, St. Patrick. We just had St. Patrick's Day. He, we he, did. He kept the snakes out of Ireland, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to nickname him Snake. Snake! Hell yeah, Snake. We fucking love you, dog. Next is Brian Olson. We'll call him uh, the Viking. Okay. Next. <laughs> Next is Dan Manella. Oh, we'll, we'll, call, we'll call this guy Wafer. I like it. Manella Wafer. Yeah, Very like good. Yeah. Uh, and finally, Jaden Howard. Jaden Howard. Like Jaden Smith. This guy, we'll call this guy the Karate Kid. Okay. I like it. The, uh, the famously the Karate Kid, Jaden Howard. Jaden. Uh, yeah, so that's that is Snake. Am I the only the one that remembers that Will Smith bought a karate kid? Oh, movie I remember. Of course, I remember. I just I think it's funny that you think uh, when you think Karate Kid, you think of Jaden Smith. Well, yeah, obviously, it's the only thing. Of he's course. Done. Uh, yeah. So that was uh, Snake, and that was the Viking, and that was uh, Wafer, and of course the Karate Kid. We thank you so much, and once again, eight dollar tier. Sign up, get yourself a street name, and also if you haven't heard yours yet, we're coming to the season finale next week. Which means you need to let us know that we somehow lost you through the crack. So email us Patreon. Sound like something nope. we'd do. We wouldn't. And I also said the wrong thing. Email us broadcast at gmail.com for all your questions, comments, and concerns. Get in those questions, comments, and concerns immediately because we also have a mailbag episode coming up. And you can also leave us a voicemail. Vince, what is the Google Voice number? 415 275 0030. Alrighty, Roo, everyone. Thanks again so much for listening. And until next time, if you come at the king, you best not miss. Hi, my son. You're in a cage for shooting that double G guy. You're still young and you're smart, just not built to steal a door. Find a girl who's in the clouds if you want. I'll pay for groundlings or UCB I just want you to be happy You share more genes with your mom I prefer your cousin Nicky He is calm Whereas you're an agent of chaos But you've got time to think a lot 
think of that Greek guy you shot Cause you will still be here tomorrow With your giant cock How can I try to explain If I do Unhappy 